What's up, y'all? Hello, and welcome to Anjali Vision, a monthly podcast hosted by me, Anjali Misra, a Chicago-based freelance writer and community organizer and general pop culture trivia savant. Each episode, I offer my best analysis of current shows across multiple platforms and genres and interview a guest expert or two on their favorite TV show or current obsession. Come for the intersectional feminist critiques of popular media. Stay for the surprisingly deep conversations with folks from a variety of backgrounds about what they love or hate to watch. Welcome to episode six of Anjali Vision. We are back after a August 2023 hiatus in solidarity with the Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA strike. And as a result, we're actually going to be doing something a little bit differently for this September episode. But before we dive in, I did want to give a brief update about the writer's strike. It is still ongoing. Greedy networks and television production company leadership continue to refuse to negotiate with union members around things like fair pay and health care, livable wages, treating people like human beings. As a result, quite a few of our favorite shows are either paused indefinitely or production slash writing is delayed until negotiations can be made. And in the meantime, quite a few folks are out of work because they're striking. But fear not, a number of celebrities have donated to both WGA and SAG-AFTRA, are doing some cool fundraisers. And yeah, hopefully things get figured out soon. I will definitely share some good news. So AMC actually was able to come to agreements with SAG-AFTRA, the teams responsible for a couple AMC shows, and production will resume on season two of Interview with the Vampire, and then two other shows from the Walking Dead spinoff franchise, one of which is like the Daryl Dixon spinoff, and then another one called The Ones Who Live. This is great news. I loved the first season of Interview with the Vampire. Definitely a refreshing, provocative, progressive reboot from the, I don't know if folks remember, the 90s film that is based off of the Anne Rice Interview with the Vampire. It was with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and like a very young Kirsten Dunst. I think, oh, Antonio Banderas is in it. (laughs) That movie was fine. It wasn't terrible, but... The AMC series, Interview with a Vampire, yeah, really solid. Excited about that coming back. Uh, I I also did watch all of the Walking Dead original series. I watched some of the spinoffs. If you're into zombie horror survival shows, uh, this is also great news for you. Shows that are either paused or indefinitely delayed, unfortunately, pretty long list. So on indefinite hiatus is season two of Wednesday production. We don't know when that's happening. I think the final season of Handmaid's Tale, the second season of The Last of Us, 
next season of Yellow Jackets, which is super sad. Love those shows. This next season of Euphoria has been pushed to a 2027 release date. Ugh. All of these actors are going to be in their late 20s, early 30s playing 17-year-olds. So that will be something to see. Similarly, filming of Stranger Things Season 5 has been pushed to start not until 2027. Again, we will have actors who at that point will be in their 20s and 30s playing teenagers. I don't know how they're going to make that work. Uh, Hollywood magic. Let's find out. Season four of Emily in Paris is maybe going to be released in 2024. I think it's in post-production, but it has been stalled. Even the writing of the next season of Abbott Elementary is unknown. The writer's room is just shuttered. Bummer! But you know what? There's also a backlog of stuff you can watch. And a little bit later in the episode, I'm going to be sharing some... Uh, recommendations from guest contributors, some buddies of mine, as well as myself, with some recommendations around some independent content that you can consume, some free web series. All you need is a Wi-Fi connection to watch some of these great web series that are out there. Again, independently produced. You won't be crossing the picket line by watching any of these. They're just very delightful. More on those a bit later. I also thought it would be fun to share the list of celebrities who, like I mentioned earlier, have been really supportive of WGA and SAG-AFTRA, who have donated like millions of dollars to make sure that folks can survive during the strike. And I'll also try to share of those celebrities a little bit about their TV careers. Some of them are super funny. But yeah, before I get to that, I also wanted to plug this new podcast called Strike Force 5, which again is put together by groups of celebrities to raise money for WGA and SAG-AFTRA. It's sponsored by Ryan Reynolds' Mint Mobile Company and George Clooney's Casamigos Tequila Company. <laughs> the hosts are the big five late night talk show hosts, so hence the name Strike Force 5. So we've got Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, John Oliver, Stephen Colbert, and Seth Meyers. Like I said, it's to raise money for all of their shows and all of the SAG-AFTRA and WGA members that they work with who are currently out of work right now. I did listen to the first episode. It's going to be airing weekly anywhere you get your podcasts. So far, so good. Pretty funny. Again, not a TV show, a podcast, but in support of the television industry. Moving right along to the top celebrity supporters of the strike. Uh, right at the top of the list, we've got George and Amal Clooney. George Clooney doesn't have a huge television career. He was, he starred on ER back in the day. He's had some bit roles over the years since the 80s, including an episode of The Facts of Life. He was on an episode of Roseanne. I think he might have been on a soap opera or two. George, more of a Hollywood movie star, as we know. Similarly, another big celebrity donor, 
Leonardo DiCaprio, mostly known for his movies, overwhelmingly known for his films, but was like sort of a recurring character on Growing Pains, if folks remember. He was super young. He's like a child actor at the time. I think he was also like did a little bit role on Roseanne. It was a big show back in the day. So a lot of people like that was the thing that got their start. Moving on down the list, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has quite a few TV roles under his name. Obviously, he didn't get his start in television and film. He got his start in wrestling, including televised wrestling. So actually, you could say he's always been in TV. Folks might know that he is the narrator of a TV series based off of his life called Young Rock. Also starred in a premium television show called Ballers. It was a sports comedy drama that aired for a couple seasons. And he stars as a character named Spencer Strassmore, who's a retired NFL player who starts a new career as the financial manager of other NFL players. So if, if you're into the sports ball shows, Ballers with Dwayne The Rock Johnson is for you. Another big donor, Nicole Kidman. I, I thought she was great on Big Little Lies, the HBO series. She was on another HBO series called The Undoing, and then a Hulu series called Nine Perfect Strangers. Of course, we know her from her many films over the decades. Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively, as I mentioned, they are sponsoring the Strike Force 5 podcast. They've also donated millions to union members. Ryan Reynolds, again, not someone with a huge television career. He's had a few bit roles. He really got his start in like the very short-lived TV series, the sitcom Two Guys and a Girl. He was on a couple episodes of some random shows, including like The Outer Limits and Scrubs. And he played himself on Family Guy. <laughs> but again, someone who is very known for his movies. And I guess we could count Welcome to Wrexham. Watch that if you like that kind of thing. Again, what else can I tell? Oh, Meryl Streep, another big donor. Another cast member of Big Little Lies, along with Nicole Kidman. Again, great show. She also has a role in this new Apple TV anthology series about climate crisis called Extrapolations. Uh, I highly recommend that show. Um, I think she's also in a couple episodes of Only Murders in the Building, the Selena Gomez, Steve Martin, Martin Short, murder mystery comedy thriller. So check that out. Oprah, of course. I don't, what can I even say about Oprah? She has her own network, hence why she was able to donate so much money. She's also a juggernaut of the industry. She has produced some incredible shows over the years, including her own show, Oprah. Julia Roberts also donated a ton. Again, we know her as a beloved film star. However, I do want to plug her two TV shows, Gaslit and Homecoming. Not super familiar with Gaslit. I think it's like a period piece, a thriller TV show set in the 60s, I want to say. I think she plays like a distraught housewife who's uncovering some kind of mystery. But I am familiar with her work in 
the show Homecoming. In later seasons, Janelle Monet joins the cast. But it's based off of actually a really great drama narrative podcast about a mysterious sort of veterans clinic where nothing is as it seems. Julia Roberts plays one of the doctors there. Other big donors, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, two people that really did not do television. JLo, I think, was a dancer on In Living Color. Love that show. She also did a really short-lived series with Ray Liotta, May He Rest in Peace. It was called Shades of Blue. They played cops. Cop shows. I don't like to plug them. But here we are. Two other big donors. Matt Damon. Again, not a big TV guy. He had one cameo on Will and Grace back in the day. And that's it. And finally, Hugh Jackman. This was super funny. I found out he is the voice of a character on this Australian-based animated series called Koala Man. He also has a brief stint on a later season of Human Resources, the spinoff animated series from Big Mouth on Netflix. And then I guess he got his start in acting way, way long ago alongside his wife in a show called Corelli. But yeah, that is the list of celebrities who have supported the strike and who whose shows you can watch. Okay, as promised, it's time to share recommendations for independent web content that you can enjoy without crossing the picket line. These recommendations are courtesy of some great buddies, also former guest from episode five of Unjali Vision, Mark Anthony, Ray, who has shared recommendations in the past, and Sanjay. So without further ado, I will let my guest contributors share their independent web recommendations. What does it mean to respect the topography when planning a city? Why do water pipes belong under the roads? What's the difference between a local road, a collector, and an arterial? What is eminent domain? If you've ever wondered any of these questions, or are now just hearing them for the first time and are frantically Googling the answers, then I recommend checking out the YouTube channel and series City Planner Plays. City Planner Plays follows a Madison, Wisconsin-based urban planner named Phil as he plays the world's most popular city builder and city management video game, City Skylines. And why should we listen to this random guy? Phil draws upon his career experience working for a local Department of Transportation, a regional planning agency, and for a suburban community as a consultant as he breaks down what he's learned for us so that we can understand city planning. With locations like Bluffslight Crossing, a New England-inspired suburb, Tiverde Beach, a tropical city that's constantly on the verge of wildfires, to Clearwater County, a rural countryside that includes the county seat, City Planner Plays shows us how different geographies and local municipalities affect how places are developed. Recently, Phil has been including the narratives for his cities, providing dialogue and context for why certain development decisions are being made. So if you want to travel to Nicolay Bay and listen to how Chuck King, a.k.a. Chuckles of Chuckles Crazy Critter Carnival, goes head-to-head with local business developers to prevent big box retail from overtaking the forest, then City Planner Plays is the YouTube channel for you. In addition to tips and tricks on how to succeed in playing the game, 
City Planner Plays explains real-world scenarios, such as highlighting the role of local politics in shaping our communities. He often talks about the need for including affordable housing, improved public transportation, and access to health care to ensure thriving communities. With the real world facing increasing urbanization, issues such as traffic congestion, housing affordability, and environmental sustainability play out in his simulated games but help us understand potential real world applications of these issues. Not only is City Planner plays super informative, but there is something soothing by how he plays and narrates his videos. He is truly the Bob Ross of simulation city building. Watch him click away as he landscapes and places down happy little trees to fill out the urbanscapes, transforming once empty lands into lush urban oases. Watch City Planner Plays, and you'll never look at your city the same way again. Defunct Land is a YouTube video essay series by Kevin Perjurer. It's very well produced. It's basically the history of themed attractions, starting all the way from, I don't know, maybe the World's Fair, and it goes through the evolution, how Disney World came to be. It goes through the history of attractions. I remember watching this when I worked in themed attractions myself. Little background, I used to be the creative director for a production company that manages and creates themed attractions like haunted houses and escape rooms. So every year we would go to Orlando and do some research and development. We'd go on all the rides, but we'd, we'd be there mostly to attend the convention, the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, that's IAPA for short. But we'd go and we'd actually drive. The thing that my production company would used to do is build escape rooms in trailers. When we'd present on the show floor, we'd have these trailers so I'd be doing that in the daytime. Then in the evening, we'd be doing research and development at Universal or at Animal Kingdom, at Magic Kingdom. I would always watch Defunct Land during our 18-hour road trips from Chicago to Orlando. So I've seen a lot of Defunct Land. It's even branched off into covering a lot of nostalgia TV. There's a really great video essay on who wrote the Disney Channel jingle. My personal favorite is the one on lines and how Disney Fast Pass is going to lead to the downfall of Disney World because of the way they've been structuring Fast Pass and how it can't keep up with the physical capacity of Disney World and its future projections on audience attendance and how even COVID and the pandemic affected those numbers and how their new strategies is going to be detrimental to that. So that's Defunct Land, one of my favorite YouTube series because I have, I used to do it professionally. So I am very familiar with the history of not just the Disney parks, but even just the decisions that the Disney executives made with regards to the Disney World parks. So Sanjay actually submitted their recommendation via text message. But Sanjay said, I'd like to recommend ContraPoints. It's a YouTube video essayist who started out in 2016 doing de-radicalization content, mostly targeted at young white men in a post-Gamergate Trump-era world. But over time, she migrated into more general debunking and critique of right-wing 
ideologies. More recently, she's been focused more on critiquing and sharpening the philosophies that underlie a lot of progressive and white leftist thought, as well as unpacking cis-sexism. To me, the big thing that separates her from other YouTube video essayists and commentators is the amount of thought and design she puts into her videos, which often feel more like films than more standard video essays. Many of her videos are pretty long, so I will try to keep my recommendations of certain videos to start with brief. They can all be found on YouTube at ContraPoints. I suggest in this order these three episodes, The Darkness, Trans Trenders, and The Hunger. So thanks, Sanjay, for that recommendation. And thanks again, Mark Anthony and Ray, for your independent web content recommendations. I'll throw in a few of my own here. I definitely recommend Her Story. It's a 2016 drama web series. It can be found on YouTube. The set of six nine-minute episodes tells the story of two transgender women, played by Jen Richards and Angelica Ross, living in L.A., and their struggles in dating and their professional lives. Some of you might be familiar with Jen Richards and Angelica Ross, who have gone on to do some really incredible television. Angelica Ross, of course, starred on Pose. She did a few other Ryan Murphy projects as well, including a season or two of American Horror Story, Love, 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 Angelica Ross. Um, Jen Richards um, has also gone on to do some great TV work, including a role on the AMC show Mayfair Witches, a character on the HBO show Mrs. Fletcher. She's just great. I'll also recommend Brown Girls. Brown Girls is a 2017 American comedy web series created by Fatima Uskar and Sam Bailey, and it follows two friends, Layla and Patricia, who pursue their dreams in Chicago. What a gem of a show. So good. Very short. So delightful. Of course, Fatima Uskar went on to write for the Miss Marvel series. She also has... Uh, published book of poetry, a novel, continues to do TV writing, I believe is working on a film. I took a writing class with her a couple years ago. Huge talent and creative force. So yeah, definitely recommend Brown Girls. So Brown Girls was produced through a really great local Chicago independent production company called Open Television. Another open television series. Brujos is a 2017 queer people of color radically politicized web series following four gay Latino doctoral candidates that are also witches. They navigate magic, sexuality, and surviving a witch hunt led by a secret society of white heteronormative male descendants of the first New World colonizers. Again, a very short series, both Brown Girls and Brujos can be found on the Open TV site. A lot of really great content out there. And lastly, dear listeners, I have a little treat for you. You get to hear one of my earliest web series reviews from the Anjali Archive. This is pre-Anjali Vision. So back in the day, I wrote a review for another Open Television produced series called Gita's Guide 
to Moving On. So here it is. Gita's Guide to Moving On is a contemporary comedy web series launched through the Chicago-based platform Open Television. This is the debut series from writer, actress, producer, and director Buja Mohindra, has appeared on Chicago Med as recurring character Dr. Lily Singh. Uh, so Gita's Guide catapults the titular character Gita Gidwani, played by Buja Mohindra, into misadventure from the first episode. When her concerned and overprotective parents, played by Ray, Raju, and Nitu Lalmalani, take their adult daughter to a divorcee's support group after her fiancé, Danny, shockingly calls off the engagement, she is embraced by new friends and even supported by her gossipy but well-meaning aunties, played by Padmini Divekar, Mangala Gadkari, and Asha Hira. Gita is distraught but still in love with Danny, even after he criticizes her passion project, a hip-hop and classical Indian fusion dance troupe, and calls it an aimless endeavor. Post-breakup and throughout the series, we follow Gita on her journey in online dating, managing her jealousy towards her boss's evidently perfect engagement with a South Asian model, ignoring the affections of her co-worker Nick, and trying to better herself with the help of best friend Akua all while living at home with her parents and bratty, sweet and supportive teenage brother, Rohan. Similar to Mindy Kaling's Dr. Lahiri on The Mindy Project, Gita is a bubbly, sharp, goofy, and ultimately deeply flawed character. Her decisions at times are infuriating, like when she pines over her ex even after he shows up at her work unannounced and hands her 500 wedding cancellation postcards. Gita's imperfections are what make her so relatable. She's a refreshingly awkward leading woman navigating a formulaic situation comedy rather than a monolithic good girl or bad girl. We root for her when she takes charge of her life and groan with dismay when she wallows in her misfortunes. Meanwhile, Gita's gossiping aunties are a perfect blend of comedic commentary and satire of traditional cultural tropes. They serve the dual roles of moving the narrative forward each episode and providing viewers with fourth wall-breaking lady friends with which to unravel the confusing decisions Gita makes in her personal life. As refreshingly genuine as these characters may be, the pilot series is not without its errors. Switching out the actresses portraying Gita's best friend Akua after the first three episodes makes for awkward viewing and comes off as a misstep in an otherwise tightly produced project. Open TV, Gita's online distributor, is a platform for intersectional pilots and series supporting Chicago artists in producing and exhibiting indie series like Gita's Guide. OTV is setting a precedent amongst independently produced Midwest media by greenlighting racially diverse and gender-inclusive web series, creating a home for and helping bring to life award-winning shows such as Brown Girls and Brujos. Gita's Guide to Moving On is no exception to this progressive and entertaining lineup. Thanks for bearing with me through Anjali's cringy early days of television review. I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks again to my guest contributors this episode, Ray, Sanjay, and Mark Anthony. Thanks to you all for listening and catch you next time. This episode of Anjali Vision was edited by Audrey Cornell. And Anjali Vision is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. 
Catch you next time.